Hello and welcome to Zack Attack. We're never going to be better than this. This is episode 37, The Beach Bum from 2019. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And do we have a sponsor or no sponsor? No sponsor. This actually, you can you could say that this was. Uh, so here's the here's the big thing about this movie, The Beach Bum. Spoiler alert: my favorite movie of the year so far. Harmony Korine. That this is. I think you probably heard this because this was like the news when Zac Efron joined, or when the first publicity images of Zac Efron in this movie hit the streets. There was the news story that Harmony Korine was inspired to create Zac Efron's hairdo hairstyle because of a panini. So maybe we can be sponsored by some kind of panini press, or like a, uh, a George Foreman grill, or a uh, no, some kind could, of thing that yeah. will burn those parallel, you know, lines into your face and/or hair. Maybe I love his hair in this movie, though. He's really good. I mean, I love everything about this movie. But before we talk about that, we do have to go to our mailbag. We have an email at zackattack at cageclub.me. This is our second of probably three Zack Attack episodes this year. We had earlier this year Ted Bundy. Yes, that's right. Then we have this. And now, and then next, there's the news. There's some news. I'm going to sort of go out a little, little bit out of order. But there, he's going to be in a, a Facebook series with Anna Kendrick called Human Discoveries. It's an animated thing, which we knew about, which we had talked about in a previous episode. But yeah. that's coming in July. So I don't know if that's going to be, if they're going to dump the whole season at once. I don't know much about this. But sometime later this year, at some point, another Zack attack. So this is like a, you know, considering, was it last year that we had none all year, I think? Like we had to sort of, you know, make up. Yeah, our Bear Grylls episode. This is like a we're flush with Zeph. Yeah, maybe he was working. Remember, well, he was injured, so maybe that played into it. Who knows? But he is back in full force. But we do have one email to ZachAttackAtCageClub.me from Miss Jenny McMullen. Shout out Jenny. Hi, hi Jenny. Hi Jenny. Subject line episode thirty six. Hi guys, glad you did the podcast for this movie, Ted Bundy, yeah. because they didn't really do much advertising for it. Didn't even know it was on Netflix until I saw the podcast and looked it up. Really did not want to go to a theater to watch this particular movie. The thing I kept thinking while watching it is how crazy it was that he led such separate lives. Yeah, that's what um, my boss's secretary said, too. She was talking to me about the movie, because she obviously knows that we love Zeph. Mm-hmm. And she was like, holy shit, like, how can you have like two separate lives like this? It's like, I don't know, pre-internet times. I feel like that's like the hardest part of it, right? Like, it's the logistics of it all, but also like the emotional stresses of it all, and like having to yeah. be there for two... I mean, it's just crazy. Similarly, but separately, differently, from like people with like having an affair or like two different families or whatever it's like yeah how do you how do you know how to keep things separate pre-internet times man i guess different different world jenny says it was nice to see zach back in action again it was also nice to see a supporting a good supporting cast i've only yeah, seen it, was... it once and don't think i'll watch it again but when you said there's only one sex scene did you mean the scene in the visiting room with carol ann or is there another scene with liz so I think we talked about that. We said that there's one, but there's the two. There was the one that we were... The one we were talking about was the one where he, like, kind of seduces her with the record player type situation. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's what I was thinking. And then there was the one where he bangs Carol Ann against the uh, vending machine, which... Yeah. I guess, like, it's it's a sex scene, but it's also just, like, a, a violent... Not a violent... Like, not violent like the other things he does, but just, like, a quick sort of violent act it's as opposed aggressive. to, like, a whole scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She said, I found an interesting article about things that were real in the movie. Here's a link. So there's from Screen Rant, 10 things that were real from Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Even Vile. Okay. Uh, Liz does exist and shared a life with Bundy, so that was true. Judge Edward Cowart did say that. You'd made a good lawyer. I'd have loved to have you practice in front of me, but you went the wrong way, partner. So apparently he really did say that. Yeah. Ted Bundy did escape from jail. Yeah. 
Bundy couldn't fully hide his evil side. Oh. You know, I guess that makes sense. Liz did put in the first tip to police. So remember, that was like the, the, the turning point, the twist, sort of? Yeah, that she that she reported him. It was her. Carol Ann did become his wife and have his child. We know that. I looked it up, and he definitely has a daughter with her. One of his potential victims did escape. Carol Durange, who gave her personal experience in explicit detail in the Netflix documentary, which I don't think I watched. You watched the Ted Bundy tapes, right? I only watched the first couple of them. So I guess I she was in it. that at some point. I still haven't seen I don't know if I'm going to go back. Like I feel like that's the kind of thing where like you watch it in the lead-up. I think we talked about like. You watch it in the lead up to this movie, but not necessarily after. It was I don't know. cool. It was it was just like a little slow because it was a docu series, so there was like five of them, and I was like, this mm. could have easily been like a two hour special, yep, as opposed to like a five hour special. So there's parts that are pretty slow in it. You know, as we're recording this and as we're about to release this tomorrow, Monday, June seventeenth, is the twenty fifth anniversary of the OJ chase. Yes. And he finally got Twitter last night. Oh yeah, he's got some. E- he's getting even to do, which is maybe not the best uh, choice of words. <laughs> I know, fucking for, OJ uh, man. Basically convict, not not a convicted, but in the minds of the public, convicted killer. Every year on that anniversary, I try to when I have time and when I remember to. I love this. Go ahead. Watch the OJ Thirty for Thirty documentary, the June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Because that's crazy. It's one of the best Thirty for Thirties. You told me about it. it a long time ago, and we watched it, and it's just like. Everything that was happening that day was so crazy. Like, oh, it's, I just realized great... that we should have done that for Film Club this week. I was thinking, you know, I love, I love, I love the five-part long O.J. Made in America, but that's also like a ten-hour thing, or without commercials, you know, it's like an eight-hour thing. Yeah. And I guess it's the similar sort of thing to the Netflix, like to the, the Ted Bundy. Like, I like the hour because it's only an hour, but I think the big, I like, I the, the bigger thing is better. I also just don't have eight hours every year to watch the same thing, even if it's as good as it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, exactly. I get there's you. a balance. Um, the most sickening part of the film has ended with one word, hacksaw. Yeah, which I, I liked. Mm-hmm. That was a nice touch. This has gone from, like, the first seven on this list are things that actually happened, and that was just, like, a, a thing about the movie. And then yeah, weird. number two is, was Ted Bundy really that charming? Well, number one, yes, he did sign his wanted poster. Interesting. Okay. The things we learn about Zeph Bundy. I love all these, like, clickbait things because, like, there's definitely, like, they want to make lists of, like, 10 or 25, mm-hmm. and they'll always have, like, 7 or t- or 22, you know? So, like, the last three are always, like, some kid trying to make up new facts about something. Yeah, like, when I uh, when I do prep for my boss, like, when I when he wants to write a blog about whatever, like, five things yeah. or seven things or whatever, like, I'll, I'll say, like, okay, seven. I'm like, mm, we're going to make it five just because, like, there's not. Yeah. I'd rather, I think, in this regard, like, you know, you could have the seven things about Ted Bundy and, like, oh, cool. Like, we don't need it to be ten. Just clickbait, like, yep. formatting, yeah. Jenny says, it's a quick read, but has some interesting additional information about the facts. Tried to watch the documentary following the movie, but didn't get far. I'll try again, same. though. So the exact same thing. I watched it even before it. Like I said, it's just a little slow for me, so I can understand. Jenny says, one last thing is what Joey said about trailers is how he looks down during them. and made me realize how many you must see slash hear and try to avoid. It's easier with VOD and DVD, but if you still go to the theater, the movie theater a lot, there's a lot of trailers to avoid. Tons. Which, it's difficult. And I actually, you know, I was saying on our most recent episode of Too Fast, Too Forever, if you want a podcast that is live and kicking as opposed to this, which is just... As the doctor prescribed, go listen to Too Fast, Too Forever, where we watch a Fast and Furious movie every two weeks forever. Mm-hmm. But I was saying that on the last episode that when I met Nico and Kevo at the movie theater for Dark Phoenix, like not knowing they were there, but I just sat down next to them. I was like, I'm just looking down. They're like, oh, you really, like, I think they had sort of, sort of heard about it like through podcasts or whatever. Like, oh, you really don't watch these. And I was like, yeah, no, like I just, I am not. 
I'm committed to I'm committed to the bit. Yeah, exactly. Practice what I preach, man. I don't love them. I mean, I love them, but I, you know. Jenny says another thing is suggestions for fire ass titles: Killer in a Beetle or Ted Bundy: The Normal Side. Later, Ooh. Jenny. I like both those. Yeah, I like this too. Well, if you want to write in for our about this movie, about this episode, about the show in general, just about Zeph, like I see the download numbers. A lot of people are finding Zack Attack. And I don't know if they're listening or not, but I know that these episodes are getting downloaded a ton. Like, Zeph, he and Keanu, and of all the people that yeah. we've done, Zeph and Keanu are the most popular in terms of just people finding these podcast feeds. So mm-hmm. email, Zach, I mean, you might not have even gotten this like eight or nine or ten minutes into the podcast, but email ZachAttackAtCageClub.me and let us know. We will have another episode at some point this year, probably. I don't know if we know anything else. Oh, well, he's got that movie he's doing with um, Anna Lily Amarpour, which is that vampire movie in New Orleans. But, like, I don't know. I don't think he has any more movies coming out this year. But we have at least one more in some regard. I don't know if it's going to be a Summerland style or what we're going to do. But some Facebook Human Discovery Series episode at some point. Figure it out. Yeah, we'll do it. Email us. ZachAttack at CageClub.me. Joe, the next thing up is Zeph in the Sheets. This is our news roundup. I mentioned Human Discoveries. Is there anything else that you've seen Zeph has been up to since we recorded a month or two ago? No, I No. He's been quiet. Yeah, he was kind of in hiding, I guess. He was on, I want to say Chapo Trap House, which is the Barstool podcast. Like, there was... He seems like a Barstool kind of guy, right? Yeah, and I don't like Barstool. Like, I think that... But my friend, who also doesn't like Barstool, but works for uh, a, a major sports publication said no but like this podcast is actually good like this podcast is actually worth watching and so he was listening and he was excited to hear that Zeph was a, a Saints fan oh, that's but cool. also there was a thing because you know I subscribe to I don't I haven't watched the videos yet but I still subscribe to Zach Efron's YouTube channel uh, mm-hmm. still have not watched a video I think I might have watched the one the guys from the podcast brought and actually this ties in oh boy I realized this ties in exactly with our Too Fast Too Forever most recent argument they had a hamburger debate oh so there was a blind fast food burger challenge at the Barstool Sports. Um, so they, the three of them, the two hosts and Zeph, did a were blindfolded, and they did three burgers. I think they did two. They did one from In and Out, or two from In and Out, and one from Fat Burger or whatever. But it's kind of the same thing where like Zeph, no spoilers mostly because I can't remember. But yeah. I feel like Zeph might have loved. Say he loves In and Out, right? Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where like the the Pepsi challenge. Like if you really know what Pepsi and Coke taste like, being blindfolded doesn't really help anything yeah right and so he took a bite and he's just like oh i know exactly what burger this is this is the best burger and so like it didn't really work the way that you know he had wanted it to work but it's a five minute video if you want to go on blind fast food burger challenge with barstool sports zach efron got almost five hundred thousand views so eating burgers because we were just in that big argument over on too fast too forever about in and out versus what a burger and so they don't do what a burger i think it's more this more southern california chains but in and out and you know they're just talking about all those burgers and so check it out. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, and I'm looking on Google. I don't think I have... I don't think there's anything else that he's really been doing. A lot of stuff coming out of that podcast interview. A yeah. lot of stuff on his YouTube channel. New, but he's new, not really on Facebook like, tour series. for promo for anything because nope. Beach Bum is already out, whatever, mm-hmm. and didn't really promo that much anyways. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I wonder how much they actually... Because I don't, I, I don't... I think it was just sort of like a poster marketing kind of, right? Like it's Harmony probably going out there and just... Letting yeah. the poster and the trailer speak for themselves. I don't know. But I heard that, like, this movie did one of the worst openings. In, oh, like, yeah. It's like McConaughey's, like, worst wide release of his career or something like that. Yeah. It was bad. It so let's talk slotted. about it because that is now the part of the podcast where we talk about the movie. And, you know, I had people saying to me, like, oh, it's not a good movie because it didn't do well. I'm like, well, 
That you doesn't know. mean anything. Exactly. I remember I was talking to you. Rachel and I were going to see a movie. Um, she wanted to see... Oh, she wanted to see Us, I think. I think mm-hmm. Us was in theaters. And you told me, you were like, hey, Beach Mom looks like it's doing terrible. Yep. Go see that in theaters first. Us will be in theaters for a while. Yep. Because I've seen this before. Like, I've seen movies that come out and that only, you know, say they have like three show times in a day, and then they tank... And then the second week, they're down to one showtime at, like, yes. 11 a.m. or 4 p.m., which, like, for a normal person with a job, can't see it. And then yeah. the third week, they're just gone. And I was like, this is going to happen with this. And so I actually got to see it. You called I saw, it. I went to see it twice in theaters. I was right, because it just, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, bragging about that, but, like, I just could tell that, like, this movie was not going to be popular. People yeah. weren't going to see it. Like, people didn't know about it. It didn't stick around. So I'm glad that you guys got to see it in theaters, because I think... Same. When we saw it, I remember leaving the theater being like, holy shit, that was amazing for so many reasons. Um, I was laughing the whole time, you know, in an empty theater. And Rachel wasn't too sold on it. She was like, it was all right, whatever. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't, like, super stoked on it. But recently, when we were in Atlanta for my birthday, I put it on one night to rewatch, kind of getting ready for this. She really, really enjoyed it more the second time. And I, of course, loved it. And I watched it with a bunch of friends friends that usually don't watch movies like that and they were all like confused at the beginning because they didn't really get that it was like a harmony corn movie mm-hmm. so like everything that was weird that was happening at the beginning and you know you have like long stretches without dialogue it took them a minute to like their brains to readjust into the movie format once they did they were sold on it so that they did they were really happy and everybody was like dying they were like how did we not hear about this movie it's hilarious and i was like I don't know, man. I feel like this is the kind of movie that I would never really recommend to... Like, there's a, there's a few people that I would recommend this to, but I feel like this is such a specific thing. It's not the kind of movie that I'd be like, oh, everybody has to go see The Beach Bum. Like, I think a lot not of people everybody. would like it, but I think... Yeah. If you're going to love this movie, you probably heard that it was out. Probably. Um, like, I feel like, whether you know yeah. Korean or you, you like just sort of the weird A24 Annapurna-esque, although I don't think either had anything to do with this movie, I don't think, no. that it sort of fits into that world. Um, I agree, yep. If you were predisposed to this kind of movie, movie experience, whatever... You would know you it was coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very specific. I mean, like, it fits my taste a lot. It fits stuff that you watch a lot. So we're, like, kind of on the radar for shit like this to begin with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would recommend it to a bunch of people, though. I think it's I think it's fun. I think that a lot more people than you'd expect would like it if they actually watched it. But you have to remember that it's a Harmony Corn movie, so it's going to be super polarizing. Like, people are just either going to not get it or right. not like it. So my friend, uh, who's my fancy baseball league, who is one of the guys on Tub Talk, he was saying that he didn't like what he saw in this movie. He also didn't like Spring Breakers because he felt to him, and I think this is something that you can, even though we don't agree with, I think it makes sense, that he likes the Harmony Curtain movies like Kids and Gummo and whatever, where it's like, or especially Gummo, where it's like natural people doing things and like there's sort of like that weird, unexplored look at a certain part of America. And okay. he was saying that by having celebrities, this is fantastical. This is it fantastical. takes you out of the, out of it. Like you're like, oh, that's Matthew McConaughey. Even though like, yes, he falls so deep into this character, for him, it didn't work because it was this look at this world that he thinks if he had just found, you know, basically Florida Man and done a movie about him, the same movie exactly but with a known name instead of McConaughey. Yes. He would have liked it more. And I understand that. But at the same time, I like and I think, you know, my friend offered a really good uh, defense of Spring Breakers. Like I try, I'm sort of done defending Spring Breakers because I just can't convince people to like it. But, yeah. you know, it's this, it's this look like he's intentionally 
bringing you in. He's like lulling you into a sense of security with that, and like he's using what you know about them to subvert your expectations. That's and true. Sort of lead you on this path, and I th- I think that's great. Like I think I don't disagree with it. Yeah. Could a character actor have been done a better job than Jonah Hill? Maybe, but I also love what Jonah Hill does in this movie. You know what I mean? And we'll, I love Jonah Hill in this movie. We'll yeah. talk about that, but it's just I, I I sort of understand what he was getting at. But also, what he did say was that Zac Efron, who we will get to, is yes. the best part of this movie, which I think is true. I think so too. I Flicker. Agree. I watch a lot of Vice shows. Yeah. And I lo- I watch a lot of um like the Vice skateboarding shows, right? That's like one of my favorite things about Vice. And they did this show called Epically Latered. Mm-hmm. And they had a Harmony Corn episode. I don't remember. Did I make you watch it or not? No, I think you told me about it. But I think when they were they were putting things up on YouTube and it wasn't on YouTube, and I just never actually watched it. And now looking back on it, I think that that was like a little glimmer into this. Harmony Corn, you know, lives in South Florida now, and he loves it. And all he does is like he's so weird, but he like just paints boats. And so he paints all these boats, but he gives them porno names. So it'll be like. Like, you know, Backdoor Sluts 9 will be, like, the name of the boat. And he'll, like, paint it, like, on this, like, beautiful marina and, like, this gorgeous boat. And he gives them, like, these, like, really fucked up names. Like, you know, because you name every boat, right? It's, yep. like, Smooth Sailing or whatever. Or, like, in this movie, Success. Success, exactly. You name, like, a boat like that. Yeah. But, no, he names them all, like, this really fucked up shit because he thinks it's funny. And then he's been selling these paintings for, like, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 each. But he's in South Florida, and he has this, like, friend, and now that I think about it, I didn't even realize that his friend is probably Moondog. And, like, he has him on the episode, and it's just this, like, guy that, like, skateboards around, Mm -hmm. and is, like, just, like, this old guy that he, like, hangs out with. And, like, Harmony's real famous, and this is just, like, some dude from Florida, and he just, like, loves him, and they just, like, hang out and smoke cigarettes all day. And, like, that, I'm sure that that's who Moondog is, if you, like, look at it. There's a guy in my town, I have no idea what his name is, because I've never talked to him, I probably never will, but I've seen him, uh, he's just like this sort of like very flamboyantly gay man, when it's nice weather, just skateboards up and down Main Street, shirtless, with like a real tight backpack, like he always has like this like iconic look, if you will, Yeah. and like he's our own sort of little moon dog, we're just like, that's that guy living his best I love, life, I love, doing his like, thing. neighborhood celebrities, I have like yeah. a very, very intense fa- infatuation with neighborhood celebrities, like we had a bunch in Pittsburgh, I have a bunch that live downtown in New Haven, like you have these celebrities that like everybody knows who you're talking about if you've been in this neighborhood, you know, yep. it's a very mm-hmm. cool thing, I think Moondog kind of extends beyond that, but he he embodies a lot of the characteristics of a neighborhood celebrity, right, like he's yeah. just like in the keys, he's like super famous, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And he's a mess. There are moon dogs everywhere. There are moon dogs everywhere, yeah. So let's go through the movie, not quickly, but quickly to get up to Zeph. So the first thing, you know, I, I just sort of wrote down notes because I've now seen this movie three times, so I remember a lot of it. Okay. The first thing, when I first saw this movie, when in the first scene, McConaughey finds that white kitten, and I was like, oh so god, this cute. is not this is not going to end well. Because I just felt oh, like... you thought he was going to kill it or something? Well, I didn't think he was going to kill it, but I just thought, because he's, he's a fuck up. Like, he's just... So he's going to, like, lose it or, like... When the cat is on the boat that explodes, and you're like, yeah. oh no, but then, like, the next shot is him in the boat with the cat, like... Yes. Safe. Yeah. Like, I just feel like the whole movie is, is Moondog, who's, like, not quite in touch with reality. He's not quite with it, sort of. Yes. But he's also just getting by and, you know... Things are like things work he's out for Moondog, right? Exactly, but he's just kind of like uh, early in the movie. He drinks, passes out, hits his head, and like passes out overnight. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And I just felt like there's this beautiful, adorable thing, and I know that you know Harmony Corinne. I don't know that you're gonna introduce a character by finding a cat and then having that character kill the cat and then having us root for that character. Yes. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh no! Like I kind of know who Moondog is, and I'm worried about this kitten. But thankfully, kitten survives. 
do you think now that you just brought up the kitten that the kitten is a symbol for his daughter in the movie? Oh, maybe. Well, have you heard in screenwriting, do you know the phrase Save the Cat? No. So Save the Cat, there was actually a book, this guy, I think Blake Snyder, um, it was one of the books that uh, Tobin, host of the network here, had us read when I took a screenwriting course with him. Okay. Save the Cat is a phrase in screenwriting where it can literally be a cat probably shouldn't be because people know the phrase now or people who like who make movies know the phrase it's what the main character does early in the movie okay that wins you over exactly so like you know a firefighter going up a tree like i think to save a cat like that's literally like you're like oh this i can root for this person because he did something early on when i'm still not sure who he is they're showing you he's a good guy like this is this is the guy you root for moondog is doing a save the cat moment literally in the first Ah. minute of the movie and i was like oh no like this is either gonna go great or very poorly i'm still (laughs) knowing who he is worried about it but yeah so like that's a very harmony corin and it's funny that you told me that because i didn't know it and it's a very harmony like tongue-in-cheek kind of way to do it like i'm sure he knows what save the cat is and like he literally has him save the cat like this is the guy like mm-hmm. it's like a big like red flag to like anybody that ever wrote a movie or studied movies you know yes that's cool and not every movie has this because a lot of movies have like you know I'm just as we're recording this I have Phantom Thread on and like Phantom Thread doesn't you know you're not necessarily supposed to root for Daniel Day-Lewis's character exactly you know so not every movie has this kind of moment but if you have a movie where it's like sort of like good versus evil or like a guy you're supposed to root for whatever generally speaking the first like 10 minutes of a movie they're gonna do something that is symbolically like saving a cat that like, yes. gets you on their side i mean it makes sense i never thought about it because i didn't take any of these like film writing classes but yeah that's it's genius so now let's talk about uh isla fisher as mini mini boo i saw a cool interview about with her the other day you know and she's sasha baron cohen's wife right it would make sense i was watching her i think she was on jimmy kimmel and she was like pitching this movie she said which is a question we always have but we kind of know the answer is that everybody on set was so stoned during this movie oh sure we've learned from another movie that snoop dogg doesn't smoke movie weed he just smokes real weed he was smoking real weed and she said matthew mcconaughey smokes weed with snoop dogg so he was ripped the whole movie and she said she was getting contact high just from kissing them That's how stoned everyone was during this movie. Love it. Yeah. So I think she's great as Minnie Boo. I think... She's the perfect character for it. She's pretty. She's, like, fun. You know what I mean? Like, she's not, like, um, like stuffy. If it was, like... If she was stuffier, it wouldn't work, you know? I think that her relationship with their daughter, Heather, both Minnie Boo and Moondog, Moondog and Matthew McConaughey, it's, like, a very, very open relationship that, like... As the kind of relationship that I have with my parents, like, it is stunning how open it is. But, like, at the wedding, at Heather's wedding, which is sort of the big, not inciting incident in the movie, but, like, how, yeah. why Moondog comes back and sort of, you know, meets up with all these people again. You know, Heather asks Minnie Boo, are you sleeping with lingerie? Snoop Dogg, we'll get to him. Yes. And she just says, yes, yes. I've always, you know, I've always had a thing for, for lingerie. But, like, just, like, this openness. And then later in the movie, when Moondog McConaughey says, you know, he's remembering Minnie Boo after she yes. dies. And he's like, she had an incredible ass. She could fillet like a python. Hell, she could fillet a python. And that's he's just saying to his daughter, who's like 22 maybe. And it's just like, what? And yeah, again, it, it's, it's, beautifully it's beautiful in the world, but it's also crazy. It is. I agree. I thought this too. I talked to my parents about a lot of stuff, like maybe not as much sexual stuff, but right. just like you know like drug stuff anything like i could just like say stuff to them so i can relate a little bit but can you imagine like your dad saying that to you about, about your like, mom <laughs> yeah no, i can't i can't 
it's so weird. And like I think it fits perfectly into this world because this it movie does. is essentially McConaughey as Moondog just rolling through life, not growing, not changing for 90 minutes, and like no, encountering no about six weirdos. He has no transformation. And no. I do like I do like the structure of the movie, like you just said, that like he encounters weirdos and it's just like it's almost like vignettes, right? Like it's like some guy comes in and they have like an arc and then they leave. But Moondog mm-hmm. stays the same. Even though he's yeah. meeting all these people, he's not changing at all. Like he begins and ends the movie high in a boat with a cat. Like it's just broke. that's what he broke is. high in a boat with a cat. Yeah. That's what he starts and in living his with. best life. Dude, I, I, I'm so jealous of this. I wish that I could just be Moondog, right? Like, Well, that's the kind of thing, like, you know, I, 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 when I watch movies sometimes, I'm like, I should be living life more. Like, I don't want to live at all like Moondog. Like, I, this is not the life that I want. I it's do. the kind of thing where it's just like, oh, I want to not do more debaucherous shit, but just, like, get I out do. there and just, like, live essentially the Moondog lifestyle. Yeah, just, like, you don't care. There's no consequences to anything. Right, like that's what he's living. There's like, he's, there's just no consequences. Like anything he's, just, you can he's do, living more life than like most people. I guess we need to be in the Key West or something. Maybe I could live my best life in Key West. And there's things that he does that don't quite make sense. You know, like pushing the tuba player into the water, just like fuck you. Like I'm just gonna, I'm drunk and I'm just gonna knock you yeah. into the water. Which I think is echoed later when Zeph pushes the groom at that party yep. at the wedding that they crash into the water. Like there's just like he found his people in Zeph, but it's like. I don't know why you're doing this, but he's just like, this is going to be a funny thing. And, like, we don't know. Like, it's just like, oh, that's Moondog. No and consequences, yeah. Yeah. He's got his Cuban maid, who's, like, the 60-year-old woman who, like, walks in with sunglasses smoking cigar that, like, makes out with McConaughey. Like, it's just like this. It's kind of like his old... It's it's kind of like a girlfriend, too, though. Right? Like, oh, yeah. She's kind of like a girlfriend, but she's really just the maid. And she's also, like, way older and, like, not attractive. But he, like... I love it. That's It's so perfect. Well, so, like, based on how they had set that up, and I know this is maybe a little crazy to hear. Go ahead. They set her up early on before he goes back to Florida, or before he goes back to mainland America. She's this, She's around. She's, like, got this, what seems like maybe a sexual relationship with him, whatever. The whole movie happens. He eventually goes back down to the Florida Keys to write his poetry, right? And yes, he goes back and he has all the weed. Like, he's got a wheelbarrow, a little, literal wheelbarrow full of weed. Mm-hmm. And he rolls in and he's there with the, the pilot, like Snoop's pilot, who's like, Blind. he's got glaucoma and whatever. Yeah. He sees the maid and, like, they, they make out or whatever. And then, like, we cut to outside and he's, like, writing his poetry and the guy is smoking the weed and there's just, like, some, like woman in basically a thong doing yoga like upside yes. down and i was like and my first break my first thought was like shit is that the maid and it's not but it's i was like it maid, fits no. it fits right in with that like oh that could be like because just what we know about the weird relationship they have <laughs> and it's just it's, you know it's just some young local girl that is you know enamored by moondog or wants you know free sex and free weed or whatever but i was like oh like this this woman who's like the 60 year old cuban maid who probably like you know shuffles along can't really walk super fast like i was like oh maybe that's her doing yoga because like that's sort of how the movie set up their relationship i was like this is weird i thought it was the maid for at first too and then you're like that's not the maid (laughs) jonah hill as lewis which i guess is his like literary agent publishing agent i think and you love him in this movie you like him in this movie i I think he's great the the line that he says what this is i think the best line in the movie and one of the funniest realist lines i've heard in a long time in a movie is when he says the best part about being rich is you can be mean to people and they just have to take it (laughs) it's so true and real and like it just resonated so deep within me how many times have you met someone that's like really rich just being an asshole and you're just like 
oh yeah, yeah you're just really rich like you have like they have to yeah. tolerate you mm-hmm. because you have money it's like almost comedy in the sense that like when you hear a good joke it's something that's like so real but nobody said it before like nobody's put it into words and that joke was just so perfect that i was like wow i love this but um i like his goofy accent <laughs> I, I like the <laughs> i like when he like wants to be invited to the wedding and keeps saying he's busy and moondog's like yeah i'm not inviting you to the wedding or like he just ignores it and yeah. he's like, yeah, man, like, I would love to come to the wedding, but I wasn't invited and I'm busy anyways. And he's like, cool. If it changed, I might have to change something up, but I'm busy. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's not. And he's like, <laughs> like, it's awesome. One thing I think this movie does really well that we've kind of criticized other movies that we've done recently, both on this and then, you know, on podcasts I did with Mike and stuff like that, is that even though, like, this movie's 90 minutes, we meet, like, seven different people. Like, he sort of interacts with, like, a, lot of characters, a bunch of yeah. different people. We kind of know instantly who each of these people are. Because I think he puts them into a into a into an archetype that we know. Yes. I think he also is able to, in a way... Moondog is kind of, like, he's got his quirks and his eccentricities for sure, but he's kind of, in a sense, a blank slate. And I feel like we're able to from the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the movie, whatever, know who he is. Yes. And sort of see the way that people interact with him. We also know a lot about who they are, what they do, what we're looking at on screen. Yeah, Harmony's a master at this. Like, he doesn't need to give you much for you to figure out where the character is or where he's going, right? And I think that that's, like, something that... I don't know if there's too many other writers, directors that can do this like just give you a character and you just like instantly know from either their look like the first couple lines that they say anything like that like you have like a i think it's because like i said he puts them into these archetypes that like we already know like you're in florida you know you have a guy with long hair that's like stumbling around like you're gonna figure out that he's pretty much florida man right and like he might write poetry yeah. but he's florida man and yep. then you're gonna meet snoop dog and we already know snoop dog smokes a lot of weed instantly Snoop Dogg's a weed smoker that's fine you know like that's what he's giving you and Jonah Hill he's like hey I'm your agent and then as soon as you hear that and he has this goofy accent you're like oh that's who he is like he's this like business guy fake shark kind of thing and also like you know later on when he I think it's right before he asks about the wedding Moondog's like I heard that time that like you were over my house or whatever Minnie Boo was getting changed and it wasn't Minnie Boo it was his daughter oh it was his daughter he's like you stayed just a little bit too long he's like sometimes I get my signals crossed it's just like he's always trying to like be creepy in those you know, experiences <laughs> yeah. or whatever and like doesn't always have a good excuse for them but he's gonna keep doing it but, yeah like, exactly not that this is a person that we should like or root for but we're like oh we exactly know who that person is yeah and just the fact that, like he's also i think in a sense playing on the people don't like agents like they're sort of you know out for themselves or whatever because like at the end of the movie mcconaughey after moondog publishes his book and it's this big hit He's like, you know, my phone was dead, but now it is alive. It is ringing. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, because you're making money again. So now you're happy with him. <laughs> I love that he does the televangelist voice. Like, the, the like it, it's, it's alive. The like, phone <laughs> ringing off the hook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. He got me so hard. Like, I laughed a lot at Jonah Hill in this movie. Then we have the wedding hosted by Lingerie Doggy Dog. So let's talk about Snoop as Lingerie. Basically, this... he's, just, he's, like, he's playing Snoop. Like, he's just... I don't he's know why Snoop, he's yeah. called lingerie, but he's lingerie or Ray. He's great. He's great. I said this about the movie when I was describing it to people. Um, we talk a lot... Like, Zach and I talk a lot about hitting the lottery, right? 
and okay. we're like, what what kind of things would you do if you hit the lottery? And a lot of mine are like, make a video of this and this weirdness. Harmony Korn has the ability to do this in real life. So for me, like having Snoop in the movie, that's really awesome. You know, he he's dealt with rappers before, but having Snoop be like best friends with Jimmy Buffett is so perfect. What would happen if Jimmy Buffett and Snoop were best friends? And Harmony's like, oh, well, I could just make that happen in my movie and like see what it would look like it's mind-blowing to me that you could do that that you could come up with these like scenarios that you make like okay let's make matthew mcconaughey this weird pot smoker that writes poetry and let's make snoop and jimmy buffett best friends and you're like yeah let's let's see what it looks like yeah here's a few million dollars go make your go go make your vision i like that vision too i think that that is exactly what i want to see in the movie (laughs) like but that's not even like what it's about like because not like they're all just on screen for like 10 minutes each aside from mcconaughey like it's just like well what if like existing in this world was this thing but it's not about that thing like it's not about snoop and jimmy buffett that's what i'm saying these are like even they're together all the time like he's making a movie but he's like oh because i'm making this movie i can also do this weird shit to see how it looks and he does and he's like what if i made matthew mcconaughey like eat out mini boo while she's five minutes while she's in front of the help essentially (laughs) yeah for like five minutes in the movie like in in an, an uncomfortably long time what would it look like and like he just makes matthew mcconaughey do it and it's just it's it's beautiful like it, it just works it's... and i think what's great about that is that's something that that's something that i really admire about spring breakers is the way that he edits his movies it's sort of this like non-linear storytelling and we have here it's like one conversation like a lot of movies do this it's like oh, one conversation so between perfect. two characters yeah. but like over a span of a few locations like it'll be like two guys yep. in a bar then outside the bar then like yep. in the car going home or whatever it's the same conversation and it doesn't make sense necessarily if you think about it like as a reflection of real life but it kind of does like you know what they're doing but here McConaughey going down an Isla Fisher like in three different locations always around the help always talking about their daughter's wedding like that's what they're talking yes. about like, they're talking about our daughter's about to get married but I also I haven't seen you in a while let me go down on you for an hour and it's yes. just like oh Okay. You know, there's some writers that are great at dialogue, and I think Harmony's greatness at dialogue stems from this, that you'll see, like, the beginning of the conversation, and the person will respond in a completely different either setup or area, and the conversation just feels fluid, but it also adds to the surrealness and, like, the drugged-out aspect of it. I don't know, whenever, like, I've done, like, heavy drugs, that you have this, like, weird, like, you're kind of, like, in and out of the conversation so it makes it feel like that because you keep seeing the camera move or the setting move that they're having the same conversation but it just takes them way too long and it still fits it adds a surrealness it feels to real it. in that way it feels real in the surrealness of it mm-hmm. like it makes you feel stoned when you're watching the movie right like that's yeah. what's perfect about it like, there are certain shots in this movie that like look like they're taken out of i mean it's, again i know it's in florida again but like they'll look like they're taken out of spring breakers like there's it's the neons toward the yeah. middle of the movie it's like the neons it's also the blues like there's one point the, there's one part where moondog is like laying on the ground in a back alley and like it's just like a very specific shade of like blue gray where i'm like oh that's you know, that's, like, where they peed in the alley. You know, it's just, like, they're always, like, yes. these different things. Like, it's, like, oh, there's the neons of Florida that he captures so well. But it's also these, like, sort of not necessarily seedy underbellies, but also seedy underbellies of Florida. That and, he like, does beach parts. Like, well. like, Moondog's house has, like, beachy kind of theme to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're, like, oh, yeah, this could easily be, like, 
my uncle's beach house in Florida or something, right? Like, it feels like every everything you'd imagine Florida is in a weird way. So then we have Heather's wedding, and I think the most notable thing is that Moondog shows up with a woman in a wheelchair. We don't know who she is, and he just rolls her <laughs> very quickly into a wall. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the wedding is kind of kind of uneventful. I mean, I think that's it's when Moon they call him, they call her her husband Limp Dick, Limp Dick, which, and which is hilarious. I still don't exactly. I guess you know you need to get him back to the states to to, to Florida to Miami for one reason or another. I guess the wedding is a good as good enough a reason as any. Yes, but I like that like how low stakes this marriage is because like like we see her at the wedding. Yes. And we see her bring him the rehab. He asks her for money, and the next time we see her, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, you know." He's like, "I'm glad you broke up Olympic." And she says, "Yeah, he sucked. Such a weird, quick dissension into." Well, he always sucked. She just liked him. The most important thing of the movie was the wedding. It goes away instantly. You know what I mean? Like it's just this yeah. weird kind of flowing through life in a way. It is. That's. Do you think that she would ever become some version of Moondog? I mean, I know, I know she's more responsible. I know she's sort of bothered no. by him, but I feel like no. kind of, in a way, like wanted to at least live with his ways of thinking about life, kind of? I don't think so. I think that there's like, I think that there's this alternating generation gap. She seems to have gained responsibility because I'm sure for a lot of her life she was raising herself. And so she can't have yes. this free will, like this like loose... Mm-hmm. kind of like flowy life interaction because her parents did. I think that there's a chance that if she had a child, they would be like them, right? Because she's so like structured and rigid. But like I think you have to alternate generations for that. Like she's she already is too responsible and rigid. Although she has some of their traits, like she can't ever just like live like moon dog like just like I'm not going to do anything and just like ride this life out. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. I, I don't think that she could ever, like, evolve into him. I, I would hope not, just because, you know, it's a lot. What did you think about her? Do you like this actress? I do. I was trying to... I've was. I I've seen her, a bunch of things that, like, she's maybe been in or been tangentially involved in, and it's both she and Limp Dick, in a way... Yeah, what is Limp Dick in, too? He looked... I don't know. I gotta look him up, but, like... He, what, especially that scene where, like, after Minnie Boo dies and he goes and Moondog goes and asks for money. Yes. He just talks and talks and talks. It's like it's basically him talking to Heather, and then Min, uh, then Limptic is just there drinking a glass of milk. He's like, "Look at this fucking milk drinking, whatever, blah 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 blah." blah. <laughs> he and calls, then leaves. He, call, he calls him a milk drinking. I still don't understand how you married this milk drinking closet case. I mean, look at it. He's got no magic. He's got no style. He's dressed up like a JV cheerleader. I had high hopes for you, Heather. High fucking hopes. Fuck off. Get out of here, you fucking turd. It's okay. I'm sorry. It just makes me crazy. He calls him, like, something really funny because I remember, like, when we were watching the movie, Zach thought that that was, like, one of the funniest lines in the whole movie. He's like, you milk-drinking limp dick nose. Like, he just, like, goes down the line. He says his piece and then leaves, and then the limp dick is just like, yeah, well, 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 fuck you then. And then he goes out of there. But, like, I felt like that whole interaction, I think the way that it's shot, just reminded me sort of of, like, video game acting in a way. Like, not in a bad way, but it was just like this, like, I was like, I feel like I'm watching, like, a cutscene from, like, Grand Theft Auto. Yep. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, it's... It's his It's his look, it's his delivery, it's the line, it's the fact that he's just supposed to be, like, a punchline. Like, he's not a fleshed-out character on purpose. Yeah. I want to look. I don't know what he's credited as. He's got to be credited as Limp Dick, right? No. And they call him his name. It's, like, Kyle or something. Oh, yeah. He, at the wedding, when Moondog is giving his speech to, to Heather, he's just like, Wait, what's your what's your name? Like for real, what's your name? And he yeah. says it. He's just like, oh, Joshua Ritter. Okay. 
Oh, groom. He's, he's just credited as groom, Heather's husband, in parentheses. He's from only seven things. He was in one episode of Burn Notice, one episode of Graceland, one episode of Truth is Stranger Than Florida, two episodes of Tycoon, and then in Off the Rails, which I don't know yeah, what this is. He looked familiar, though. He looked like he was in like Silicon Valley or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's not in things. Okay. The wedding is, I think, the... It's just the beginning of the... Not the beginning of the end, but like that's where Moondog sees Minnie Boo in lingerie making out. Yes. And sort of has his realization there, and then remembers, like, oh, this is just the relationship I have with Minnie Boo. I can't really be upset, because I go down to the Florida Keys, and I just say, you know, fuck whatever I want. I can't fuck be upset that she's... in bathrooms and yeah, bars. In a restaurant, um, mm-hmm. in the kitchen. But I think that's sort of like... it. it that as much as anything does kind of rattles him a little bit that then you know he goes on to that sort of date ish with Minnie Boo and they're dancing to is that all there is and like that's yes. beautiful and then she dies and I feel like he's more shaken by the fact that he was making uh, she was making out with lingerie than he is by the fact that she dies like I feel like that's the bigger how am I supposed to deal with this and he has to come to grips with it like he has to come to terms with the fact that mainly because he was like so like he's friends with Ray you know what I mean yeah and I think because he talks about it a couple times he, he brings it up to Heather and he brings it up to lingerie like we need to talk about this to like sort of get my mind around what you two are doing right and it's just like I, I get it but I also it hurts still yeah after Miniboo dies and then, you know, his life kind of falls apart in a sense and he gets kicked out of his house because Miniboo says in her will, you can have the money because it's her family's fortune or whatever. You can have the money as soon as you publish your book your, of poetry. Yes. And he kind of goes off the rails and has his homeless pool party. And then he goes to rehab, which is where he meets Flicker. Do you think these people, knowing Harmony, do you think the people that are the homeless people in that scene are actual homeless people? I would guess it's maybe a mixture i think so too but i think that knowing who harmony is i can imagine him being like i went through south florida picked up a yep. bunch of homeless mm-hmm. people in a van and was just like hey you want to be in this movie i'll give you a hundred bucks and they're yeah. like yeah you know what i mean like i this is very like when you know he had the twins in spring breaker like i when i was watching it the second time i was like i bet these are just real homeless people like these aren't actors at all like he really just threw a pool party with homeless people and like that's yeah. what happened famously i guess maybe that's not the right word in Joe, a Nicolas Cage movie, David Gordon Green, who directed it, found this guy in Austin who was like this kind of, I guess, in a sense, like a moon dog of Austin. Like people knew about him, and he was this homeless guy, and he's cast in like a pretty big role in Joe, and he's great. You know, sadly, before the movie, like between the time the movie wrapped and the movie came out, he the guy did. had died of just some ailment that he had picked up as he was living as a homeless man for the last couple decades or whatever. There's something that you can really sense that's like, again, maybe what my friend was saying, that's natural and real and raw about having someone who's not necessarily an actor yep. not only be on screen, but like have lines of dialogue and like talk to McConaughey and like as McConaughey as the actor. You know what I mean? So yes, there's something real about that. Before we get into Zeph, can we talk about the poetry a little bit? I think that the beautiful poem, the poem that he reads like two or three times throughout the movie is so hilarious to me. I go to bed in Havana thinking about you. Pissing a few moments ago, I, I looked down at my penis with affection, knowing it has been inside you twice today. Makes me feel beautiful. 
And it's just like, that's such a weird, <laughs> gross, but sweet thing. It is. That's what I'm saying. This is another one of these things where, like, um, the line that Jonah Hill delivers, like, it's something that you may have thought a similar related thought before, but didn't ever let it out of your brain. And you're like, oh shit, somebody's putting that thought into words, right? Like, that somebody's talking about how real this thought is. You know, you go to the bathroom, you're like, damn. I did fuck today. And you've thought it. You've definitely thought it. But it's like, to hear somebody say it is so jarring. Like, but he's like, so oh, in shit. love with Miniboo. That, yeah. You know, or, or whoever. But I, I would presume in the poem it's Miniboo. He's so in love with her that, like, just seeing his dick makes him happy. Because he's like, oh, right. Like, I was close to her. Exactly. And that reminds it's me, a... like, it's... <laughs> it's it's so wild. Weird. But I do love in this world that, like, that kind of poetry... Like, I don't know how that would exactly whether that would be a popular form of poetry in real life, I don't know, because I'm not in that world. But, like, I love this world, like, it is widely loved. Like, he becomes, like, you know, a rave success again. But I also love, more specifically, that there's, early in the movie, he's just, like, lying around, reading his own books of poetry from before. Nobody loves Moondog more than Moondog loves Moondog. Like, he's watching videos of speeches, he's watching, or he's reading his books of poetry. It's very Kanye, right? Exactly. He's just cracking up at, like, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. This is the new, as you said it, this is the new wave of uh, poetry. Like, all modern poetry is written like this. It's not like couplets and, like, rhyme schemes and stuff like that. Like, all modern poetry is kind of like deaf poetry jam kind of situations, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's all this just, like, free verse. You say whatever you're feeling, and it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to fit. It just, like, does whatever. And it's not wildly popular, like, he wouldn't be, like, opening for Jimmy Buffett with his poetry, but... So let's talk about the man of the hour. Let's talk about Mr. Zach Efron. He goes to rehab. Yes. And Zeph, for as great as Zeph is, I looked oh it up. God. Do you want to guess how long he's on screen for? Like, from the first time we see him to the last time we see him, what span of time it is? It's like five and a half minutes, I would Six guess. and a half minutes. I thought... I, I said ten originally. No. It's less than that. Like, he's yeah. on screen, like, he's got so much wonderful stuff. I mean, hair looking like a panini, sort of, kind of... The Jenko jeans, the shirts, the him him vaping, the just like chucking clouds the whole time. Hilarious to me. Yeah, it's it's perfect. The look is perfect. He captures and then what then he's in a Christian rock band, a cover a creed cover band. His dad's a preacher and yes. he was just sort of a bad kid who liked burning shit. He's like he's framing himself as the hero because the- this house that he broke into <laughs> yes. to set shit on fire. He saved the kids. He's like, if it wasn't for me, they would have burned alive in there. It's like, well, no, if it wasn't for you, there would have been a, there would have been no fire. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. I like that in his story, as fucked up as he is, he's the hero of his own story. My dad's a preacher. He's the one that fucking put me in here. Why? Because he caught me huffing paint a few times. Also, I was breaking into people's houses and just burning shit. <laughs> like, nothing real bad. I love lighting shit on fire. I'm a tiger, bro. It wasn't dangerous. Yeah. Nobody was home. Yeah. We didn't find out the kids were upstairs until later, and if I wasn't there, they would have fucking burned to death. I got them out. From the second floor? Yeah. But not like a ladder and shit? Yeah, no, no, I just went upstairs. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that McConaughey, as much as he does like him, he's just a mean to an ends for him, right? Like, like Moondog, like, doesn't actually want to be his friend. I think there's a kinship, for sure, but, like, it's... I think he also sees him as a way to have fun, either have fun in rehab, because he's there for yes, a year. exactly. Or, really early on, Zeph talks about how he's broken out of rehab or whatever. And I think he sees, like, either, I'm going to enjoy the time that I have to be here, or this kid's going to help me get out of here. Yes. 
That's what I'm saying, yeah. He didn't, like, come in like, hey, this is a cool dude, I want to hang out with him. He knows that he has a purpose to him, although Zeph wants to be Moondog's friend. And you right. can see, and it does. they do a really good job of showing that dichotomy of the relationship. That, like, Zeph's, like, enamored with Moondog and, like, wants to be as cool as possible in front of him. And Moondog's just like, yeah, whatever, like... <laughs> doesn't fucking matter to me whatever you're trying to do cool i think of everyone in the movie zeph is probably the closest to moondog but he's too intense like he cares too much yeah which i think exactly. is what you're saying like he's the closest like if you say who in this movie could be living that moondog lifestyle it would be zeph but i also yeah. think that he would have to mellow the fuck out because he's so intense and i feel like that's from everything we learned about him factor of his upbringing the fact that his dad was a preacher yeah that he was in a Christian metal cover band. He also seems like he has ADD, ADHD, right? Like sure. he's like, like all hyper for no reason. Like he needs to smoke a wheelbarrow full of weed and then just hit that, like stay, stay on that level. That maybe he could get to there. But I feel like, you know, the fact that they both push people into water, that they both like steal boats and golf carts and everything like that, like they are alike in a lot of ways. He's just like the intense version of Moondog. Mm-hmm. His plea to Moondog about breaking out of rehab is just so beautiful. Just out like there that. is the real world. In here is the fake world. Right? Out there is beautiful. Things really happen. The seasons change. Babies are born. Old men wither away and die in the fucking sands of time. Eloquently put, Flicker. The choice is yours. Sell me no more, man. Let's blow this fucking door. Yeah, yeah. And he just, like, goes off on an adventure with Zeph. And they just like run through South Florida again. I guess they're they're in South Florida, right? They think they they go to rehab there. Yes, because I think he wants to go to a place in the Keys or something. Thai massage. Thai massage with a with a with a hand job release or whatever. <laughs> I love that the judge is a fan of Boondog. Cause like it is, this is the best case scenario for him, and <laughs> she like so badly wants to let him just you know walk but like she knows she can't i just love that she's willing to put up with the bullshit of hearing about this facility you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah because you'd be like we have to shut that place down there's like no like jerk off rehab centers everywhere like what are you talking about i don't know what resort that is but that sounds hilarious so then for the second time in the movie and i think this is maybe important or maybe not but harmony corinne uses the cure song friday i'm in love twice in this movie he uses it I yes. think it's two weddings, but he uses it when it's at Heather's wedding, and that's mm-hmm. where Lingerie and, Moon, and and Minnie Boo are making out, and Moondog is sort of going through his sort of kind of existential breakdown. But then again, at this wedding, where they steal the boat from that Zeph yeah. pushes the groom into the water, it comes up again. I don't know if that's Harmony Corinne making fun of that song and being like, this is such a stereotypical wedding song, or Maybe. if it's sort of genuine and true that like this song is kind of like it's playing at the times in Moondog's life where, like, the biggest shit happens. Like, his daughter's wedding, where he finds out that his wife and his best friend have been having an affair, and also, like, him escaping from rehab with his new sort of, could be kind of protege, could be, like, Robin to his Batman, you know what I mean? Yeah. And 
I don't know how Harmony Corinne feels about it. Like, it, it could be either ironic in that, like, look at this corny song that, like, is upbeat and whatever, packaged bullshit or whatever. Or it could be, like, look at this song that it's this sort of out of place because it's not quite like a lot of the other Cure songs. And Yeah. It, it's it's sort of, song, it could though. mean something because these are two important scenes to Moondog. But I think that, that there's more important scenes to Moondog. He would have used it at a different scene. Like, the wedding part I get, and I get that he uses it twice, but I think it's it's more tongue-in-cheek about the wedding. Cause like, well, see, it's both weddings. I mean, he uses it twice at both weddings, so I think... Yeah. The soundtrack in this movie is great, though. And I think that the Moondog song, the Jimmy Buffett, Snoop Dogg, Moondog song, is so fucking good. Lost in the fog. Yeah. Trying to find the dog. Yeah. <laughs> lost in the fog. Trying to find the dog. He's lost in the Oh, okay, there it is. Looking for the moon dog. He's lost in the moonfall. And I'm looking for the moon dog. He had it all. He had money, cars, everything you could possibly imagine. But this is the story of the death of a dream. Death of a dream. The one who had, who what has not me anymore. Boom, dog. Come on, dog. Come on, dog. This is a motherfucking moon, dog. Howling at the moon, it's the dog, yo. Yes! really enjoy that it's like part of the movie and that it's those two together it's great the soundtrack to this whole movie is awesome i was listening to it the other day there's jimmy buffett's two tickets to paradise like, again like you know ironic use of that but when when they're hatching their plan to make money you know they're pounding pbrs at some shitty dive bar in, in miami or wherever the rehab yeah. facility is listening to two tickets to paradise and they're like i got a plan so it's like i got a plan to make money and he just like robs a homeless <laughs> man or beats a guy or whatever, and then takes his money from his wallet. So, like, yeah, that's, that's okay, that's a plan. That's one plan, <laughs> yeah. sure. I like that Moondog's just about it. He's like, oh, cool, I'll go with you for this plan, and then he just robs that homeless dude. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? Like, I also do like the other, sort of the other branch of Zeph's dialogue is about, you know, how we're allowed to sin because Jesus cleared that for yeah. us. Let's get up to a little fucking devil's business before we get saved. Oh, you know the best part about the devil? Fucking, he finds the fun, and then we take Jesus, and we just ride him all the way to the top. Because the best part is we can do whatever the fuck we want. Jesus already paid for all our sins. Yeah, I guess that's a way to look at it. I mean, that, maybe that's not right, but like... I don't know. I went to Catholic school. We were kids, and and we started to connect, like, the logical dots like that. We, we, would, we would say, like, similar things. It's a very young understanding of... Mm-hmm, of this mm-hmm. whole thing so it's cool that he had it because it shows like how you don't have the like the grasp of morality yet to be like oh i still shouldn't do that he's like oh jesus died for our sins i can do whatever the fuck i want i'm gonna be forgiven anyways as opposed to like let's not do bad things that's what resonated with me when he was doing this is like oh i remember being seven whereas like he's like 20 or 19 or whatever yeah so it's like funny to mm-hmm. see somebody older doing the same shit that you would do as a kid I like that he's got his sound effect. Hey, do that flick thing you do. Yeah, do it again, do it again. He's like the Hadoken kind of, right? Yeah, he's that's like what the... I'm saying. He's doing um, Dragon Ball. He's like, whatcha? And like, yeah, he's, he's like going Super Saiyan. Well, I think it's like a very kind of 
subtle in a way, even though nothing about this movie is really subtle, but like a subtle like fascination with Japanese culture because like there's, there's that. And then his last scene where you know he and McConaughey get I don't know if they're prostitutes or just like local women who like want to have sex, whatever. They go back to their boat with three women, one of whom is probably a dude. And Zeph has like the Japanese headband on too. And like, it's just that he's like very kind of subtle sort of, it's just like this other dimension to the character that doesn't necessarily need to exist, but we get a sense of more who he is based on his like sound effects, but also his headband. Yeah, I think that that's funny. Also, I thought that he was just enamored with- We get get shirtless Zeph too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we definitely get shirtless Zeph again too. He's looking pretty good in this one. Well, he's still sort of, I think, riding that like Baywatch ish. No, he's a little bit. He's a lot smaller than year. Baywatch, though. Although I didn't realize both Baywatch and this end with big fireworks explosions. Oh, that's right. I mean, totally different meaning. Like that's where like the climactic battle is in here. It's just like let's light forty-six million dollars in cash on fire because I don't need that money. I can live my life one quarter mile <laughs> at a time and also like you know broken penniless. Yeah. But you know, both movies end with fireworks. Yeah, it is cool. I agree. Is there anything else about Zeph that you want to talk about? I want to make no. sure we don't like you know skip over any parts of his character. I mean, I just I love him. Like Flicker, I think, I think he's is still worth again. watching this movie for. If you're listening to this oh, and, sure. and you didn't see the movie for any reason, like Zeph is the best part of this movie for me and my favorite part. So, but the movie's great. So, like, watch the whole movie, but you'll be really excited to see Zeph in this movie and play a character that we've never seen him. He he's kind of you know he's kind of like a Teddyish character, right? Like he's he's a little bit more like that, but at the same time, like there's a depth to it because it's it's definitely different than everything we've seen. Like he plays like carefree and and loose and a mess, but in a different way. He is to this movie just like Billy Lord is to Booksmart. Like they're just not on screen tweet, for yes. a lot, but, but they're, they're on screen for they're the best part of the movie. Like they're just yeah. like this burst of energy that comes in you're like whoa like what if you had never seen him in a movie before yeah or if you've never seen her before it's like wait who who is that i need more of that whatever that is you know what exactly I mean? yeah they're very similar also this is i mean not this is necessarily trivia but i didn't think about it but this is now the second high school musical star that harmony korean has directed so now we gotta see what ashley tisdale's gonna do with harmony korean in probably you know oh, six years that'll be great she could be like maybe, washed up or something. Maybe, maybe what he will film the the, the screen adaptation of Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure too. The worst part is like I don't even think that he wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like I think if it came down to it, he'd be like, yeah, you know, like that kind of works, I guess. Aside from the next thing we're gonna talk about, I think we talked about everything else. We talked about um, Jimmy Buffett and lingerie. We talked about his book becoming a hit, The Wheelbarrow Full of Weed. Yeah. The one thing about the movie we've not talked about. Martin is Lawrence. Martin Lawrence as Captain Wack. I think it's great too. I didn't expect Martin Lawrence to be in this movie, and he's such like a a byline. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely like. I is he even on the poster? Well, I don't think so. Also, this is apparently his first movie in like eight years, and he plays it perfect, right? Like he he you could see that he's comfortable with not playing a major role in this. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't seem like he's starved or upset that he got he got this role. Like he's he's right. on board. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he's about it. So he plays a captain that does dolphin adventures. Who thinks dolphin he's... Tours, yep. And he thinks that he's, like, killing the game, right? Like, he thinks that he has this, like, great life, which I really yeah, like. Yeah, only four people have died under his watch in eight years, which is apparently an exceptional track when record. When he's driving the, like, the Jeep that's all fucked up, and he's like, man, see this? This is Dolphin money. I wouldn't have all this without Dolphin Tours. <laughs> this is all from Dolphin Tours. And it's like a Jeep with, like, taped sides and, like, 
just shitty. It's just <laughs> shitty. Yeah, it's just like everything's fucked up about it. <laughs> and he, he's like, and he just like, but he loves it. I love this. Like, I, I wish I had this mentality about life. You're like, yeah, man, like, this is all from Dolphin Tours. And you're like, but... <laughs> But, like, this sucks, you know? Like, this isn't great. And then, so he hires Moondog. Well, I also want to say that he's got a parrot who's addicted to cocaine. Yes. Which is incredible. That's not really a plot point. It's just like, oh, I gotta feed my coke-addicted parrot. It's like, what? And it just gives him a little cocaine. The parrot's fine. Like, that's I'm just like, oh, another little detail in this world. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he hires uh, Moondog for the Lipschitz's family tour. And, and they're a perfect f- family, too. Like, Harmony did a good job finding these people. Well, I did not know. What? The daughter in the family is Harmony's daughter. Oh. No, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. But she was on Epically Latered. I, maybe I should have recognized her. But I mean, you know, like, little girl. Like She's looking. a kid. Yeah, there's no reason you're, like, looking at it. Like, what have I seen that kid kid from before? You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Oh, that's really cool. So she's the daughter, and and so they, like, take them out on the boat tour. What is he? He's like, it's dolphin fucking season. It's like, orgy season. Like, you know, they got a corkscrew, a corkscrew-shaped pecker or whatever, and, like, it's the worst. If we, as us right now, are taking a dolphin tour, and this is the tour, we'd be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever, ever. But, like, as a family taking the tour, we'd be like, I don't know, how is this guy still in business? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, <laughs> also everything is just profane and terrible and like botched and like half-assed and yeah just... and then on top of it he's like i'm gonna go swim with these dolphins and they're not dolphins they're sharks so yeah. so yeah. like you get so you're like how bad at dolphin tours are you that you see sharks and are like i'm gonna go swim with these dolphins because they're sharks so like <laughs> you're so the bad dolphin has teeth well i mean it's a shark <laughs> exactly he bites his foot off and they get it back somehow and he's just like squirting blood on the boat and Harmony's daughter is loving it. Like, she is all about that. But then, yeah, and then Moondog trades the foot for Captain Wack's hat and moves on. And just, like, you know, continues his journey through I like Florida. That, I like that Captain Wack's like, you're not going to leave me here, are you? And he's like, it's time to go, man. <laughs> like, been here, did this. Like, I'm on my yeah. way. And just, like, leaves him with the ambulance. Like, I'm not going to come to the hospital with you. I'm not going to, like, check on you. <laughs> like, yeah. You're gone. And Captain Mark gets it. Like, he understands. Yeah. Everybody's very forgiving of Moondog. Do you know what? Maybe this is what I am so lusty over about Moondog, is that when you're that much of a fuck-up, everybody forgives it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, if, if nobody has any expectations of you, when you do stuff that's wrong, everybody's like, oh, yeah. Like, even uh, Miniboo says, like, that's just Moondog. Like, mm-hmm. that's just who he is. I mean, it's kind of the, the Jonah Hill thing, but different. Like, instead of being rich enough that people don't care, it's like you're just so much, so much of a fuck-up that people don't care. Exactly. And maybe that's kind of the thread throughout this entire movie, that, like, Zeph is such a burnout. He's the kind of guy who has been through rehab. Like, you know, when the guy gets up, not Zeph, but the other guy gets up in front, he's just like, who's a repeat here? I know, I know you before. This is my third time. I feel like even as young as he is, it's sort of like no one expects anything of him. Yes. Because he's such a fuck-up. And I feel like the same, like, everyone is so true to themselves that if you expect them to be anything other than who they are, you're fooling yourself. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm, I'm sad that I don't have this amount of, this lack of responsibility in my life. Like, that would be pretty cool to just be like, yeah, man, that's just how they are. And one of the best lines, I think, of the movie is that when he's getting interviewed at the end by that journalist after his book of poetry is a huge hit, Moondog says, I just want to have a good time until the shit's over. This life gig's a fucking rodeo. I want to suck the nectar out. I want to raw dog it so the wheels come off. I always like the phrase raw dog. Raw dog, moon dog. I just like that phrasing. I'm glad that they used that one. 
raw dogging it till the wheels come off. And then I think one of the last lines of the movie, I don't know if it's the last line, but one of the last lines is just don't ever bet against the Moondog. That's true. Those guys always do come out on top, too. You know what I mean? Like, people that have no responsibilities. It seems like yeah. somehow everything kind of works out for them. Or they don't, and, like, you don't hear about it. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. the only other thing, the only other trivia that I found about this was that apparently Gary Oldman was offered the lead role but turned it down. So then I went to McConaughey. What? That's weird. Like, I can't see it being him at all. Yeah. Right? Um, any other thoughts about the Beachman before we play our end-of-episode games? I like that McConaughey hits that point where he's like, I'm going to go undercover, and I'm going to wear girls' clothing. Doesn't, like, shave or anything, and just, like, keeps wearing girls' clothing throughout the rest of the movie. That's just, like, a thing. And I want to know if that was an actual thing. I want to know how that came to be. You know what I mean? Like, if that was, like, intentional from the beginning of the movie, or if that was something that just, like, happened on set, and then just, like, they ran with it for the rest of the movie. Because I can definitely see somebody being like, oh, that was really funny, McConaughey, just stay in the girls' clothing, like... You can just shoot the rest of the movie in dresses. And he was like, yep, that works. Because even the journalist is like, you know, I got one more question. What's with the women's clothing? He's like, what women's clothing? Exactly. And like, that's just who he is now, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, when he picks up her Uggs and he's wearing, he's like, these are my <laughs> mini booze Uggs. She had the abnormally <laughs> large feet. <laughs> this is, I think that is a stoned line that he wasn't planning. Like, I think that was one of those things where he's just, like, really ripped. Oh, no, he, I think that's, like, uh, how would a grown-ass man be able to fit in the same shoes but I think as he's Hannibal thinking, Fisher? I think that he's thinking that in his head, that, that, like, wasn't in the script. You know what I mean? Like Maybe. That's, I'm thinking he's stoned and he's going to put these Uggs on and he's like, oh, she had, she must have had abnormally large feet for for such a small girl. Like, to explain to himself why they fit? Because it's it's such a weird line that, like, I don't think that that was, like, planned, so. And I guess also, like, a Harmony Korine movie does not necessarily need to like follow explain a that. Yes. Yeah, and it doesn't need to explain it either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it was an explanation that we didn't need. And, like, just, like, the way he's, like, saying it while he's putting them on feels like he was mumbling that to himself stoned and was like, okay, that's why. Well, Joe, we're going to watch the trailer now for The Beach Run, which I don't think I've seen. Have you seen the trailer? I don't think I have. No, because it wasn't even in theaters. Like, it wasn't true. So I searched on YouTube Beach Bum, now from GameSpot Universe Trailers, 720,000 views, The Beach Bum, official Red Band trailer, Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Isla Fisher. Joe, let me know when you're ready to start it, and I will play it. I should be good whenever you're ready. Three, two, one, play. Okay. There we go. Long. Long opening. (laughs) Yeah. Red red screen. Oh, Vice. Vice Studios. Start with the poem from Harmony Corrin. Harmony Corrin. So you know exactly what you're getting into, right? The mind that brought you spring breakers. Yeah. Not the most popular movie, but also if you knew what that movie was, this is like basically, hey, more of the same. Oh, yeah, Kitten Drinks Beer. That's right. I forgot. He mixes the cereal with beer for the cat. Yeah. Moondog. Like shit. <laughs> I like I like Snoop in this movie so much. I like that the he's using a version of like the Superman score. Yeah. That or it's like it's sampled into whatever this weird kind of Floridian beat is. Yeah. Oh yeah, the bong mask. I forgot about that. Lots of cocaine. There's the homeless people in the pool party. And he, and he writes it on a typewriter, too. I forgot about that. That gas station reminds me again of the uh, gas station from Spring Breakers where they sing uh, yes. the Britney Spears song. Exactly. And there we go. Breaks the piano. Don't stop 
Oh. I love this judge. And if you mess this up, it's jail time. I wonder if that's going to be in this trailer. I don't know. Because we're getting to the point where... Because it's not really telling you what the movie's about, but it's sort of going through it kind of chronologically. Yeah. So if he was going to be in it, it'd be any time now. I want to... There he is. Yeah. Just follow me, my friend. Just follow me. my friend. Oh, the soundtrack is so good. Oh, man, you got glaucoma in both his eyes. <laughs> the pilot's just smoking. It's called Chronic Tours. With Zac Efron, that's special. That's a new, that's a new kind of credit for him. And he got and he was listed above Jonah Hill too. Well, I think so. Generally, and I don't know that there's necessarily a right or a wrong way to do that, but I think like the and the final one is always the bigger one. But like the oh, okay. Wah. Ah. <laughs> God, there's so much Zeph in that trailer. There's a ton considering of he's Zeph not in the movie that much. Yeah, there's a ton of Zeph in that trailer. If it's sort of like a not a, it's kind of a cameo-ish role. Like I know that you use cameo a lot when it's not necessarily yes. always a cameo. Yes. Zeph essentially has a cameo, so they sort of throw him at the end because it's not like he shouldn't get higher credit, higher billing than like Isla Fisher, who's in more of the movie, Agreed. even if he's necessarily a bigger star. But they'll put those at the end, and then whoever is the biggest one of those, they get the and. Okay. That's a lot how we do it in, in science publishing. It's like the first author is like the person who did all the work, and the last author is like their boss, right? Gotcha. Like, and everybody okay. in between is like, it descends in order of importance, right? It's like first, and then like everybody goes down, and like the last person is super important too. All right, next up, Joe, we have the Google game. So I searched before Zach Efron Beach Bum. So we have one, two, three things that you can guess. Two that I think you will. Hair is number three. Sunglasses. Nope. Uh, vape. Nope. But you're right in that wheelhouse for one of them. Jeans. Nope. Actually, go back to hair. You're, you're closer in the wheelhouse of hair. Hair. Um, sideburns. Close. Panini. I don't know how to say, like... Panini is number four. I didn't think that you were going to get that one, but Panini is one of them. Zach okay. Efron, Beach Bump, Panini. But the number one autocomplete, uh, you still haven't gotten yet. Face. No, but you're still you're all you're right you're right there. Just one word you're looking for. Shaved. Nope, still close. Oh. Think think simpler. Simple beard. Yeah, Zach okay. Efron beach bomb beard. Number okay. one autocomplete. We've got beard, movie, hair, panini, premiere, trailer, interview, and new movie. Okay, so the other ones were just like general ones. Okay, I think I did pretty good. Panini, I can't believe was actually up there. I know, right? I have uh, another sort of Google game we could play. When Mike and I were doing Born on the Fourth of July for Cruise Club, which yes. is a Tom Cruise movie directed by Oliver Stone. It's about Vietnam. It's about Ron Kovic. Real true story about this guy who went to Vietnam, then became an anti-Vietnam. Like, he got paralyzed over there and then became, like, very outspoken against the war. Okay. And I Googled, is Oliver Stone, or was Oliver Stone, or did Oliver Stone, most of the autocompletes was... Did he serve in Vietnam? Was he in Vietnam? Yeah. Did he go to Vietnam? And yes, he did. Here's a, a game we could play. Is Zac Efron blank? It's going to be gay. No, but there's a lot of things in that kind of kind of wheelhouse. Dating someone. Dating is number three. Just dating straight up is number three. But there's also two other, is he dating someone or two other ones. Yeah, is, it, is he dating Selena Gomez? Is he dating... Is six or five or six, yep. Is he dating Ashley Tisdale, Vanessa Hudgens? Nope. Vanessa Hudgens is like ninth or whatever. Okay. But also in that world, there's a couple more that are not dating, but it's similar. Like, is he dating someone or... What well, so number about? two is, is he single? Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. What's the number one autocomplete? What do you think people are... I, I, don't, I don't know if this is... 
necessarily, but like, what do you think the, one of the first things that like a girl who is in love with him wants to know first? Is Zac, is Zac Efron naked? Nope. Is Zac Efron married? Oh. Okay. Is the number one autocomplete. So we have married, single. single, dating. Six more things, two of which you got. Dating Selena Gomez, dating Vanessa Hudgens. How am I going to get... So two of them are, is Zac Efron in blank? So they're two, like, movies or TV shows. Oh, so fuck. One of which he's in, one of which he's not in. Oh. So who just confusing who was Zac Efron? I don't know. Give them to me. Sorry, I'll never guess them. Is Zac Efron in The Greatest Showman? Okay, yeah. Is Zac Efron in, and this makes sense, I think, Steve from Stranger Things? Is he in Stranger Things? Oh. Which is like a young, good-looking brunette dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, we have, is Zac Efron vegan? Okay. And is Zac Efron related to Ted Bundy? Why would he be related to t- I don't know. Don't know, man. And then I also just did, uh, did Zac Efron, and here's what they are, singing Hairspray, and Vanessa Hudgens date, die, and then sing in High School Musical, sing in High School Musical 2, sing in High School Musical 3, and Taylor Swift date, dye his hair, sing in Dirty Grandpa, get married. So people want to know if he, they basically want to know about his love life and whether or not he can actually sing. That seems to be what people are most actively searching for. I didn't know that they're, they're saying, did he sing? Like, is it actually him or did they like dub over him? I'm sorry, I didn't get that at first. I thought they I were think, saying I like... Think. They're like, does he have like a singing part? Right. In this? I think that's what they're. I think they're asking more. You're like, right. Can I he actually so. sing? Basically. I think so too. I think that's what they're getting at. So we're gonna play the letterbox game, which is there's a couple different things that we can do here. Okay. So for reference sake. Oh God, this one's gonna be so low. I don't know because it's a, it's kind of a way a letterbox, a letterbox kind of moving. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by three hundred and sixty-six thousand people. How okay. many people? have seen The Beach Bum. Did it hit VOD yet, or does it come out Tuesday? VOD and Blu-ray comes out today as we're, as we're, as we're releasing this episode, June 18th. Okay. So as we're recording this, it's not out. Like, you had to see it in theaters, I think, or through the dark web, essentially. I'm going to say 4,500. Higher. Really? Okay, yep. uh, 6,500. Higher. I think maybe everyone who saw this movie in theaters... Was on Letterboxd. Was on Letterboxd. <laughs> Besides me, it's like 20. 12,000. 11,330. So Damn, that's more than I expected. Without, without it being score, on VOD right now? Yeah. Average score of three and a half, which is not too bad. Okay. How many of those 11,000 people have it in their top four? Spoiler, I'm one of them for now. I mean, it's not one of my four favorite movies of all time. You know, I, my favorite movie of the year or whatever I keep in there for now. So I'm one of these people. So there's at least one, Joe. Here's a hint. There's at least one. Okay. How many people have it in their top four? I don't four? know, man. People fucking love Harmony. I'm going to go I'm gonna go high. I'm going to go six. Higher. Way higher. Really? Mm-hmm. 25. Higher. Really? Like third, 40. 60. Damn. Right? Yeah, people love Harmony. For even for how low, like, yeah, wow. Okay. I'm looking now just to see if we could play the guessing game. One person I just saw had Song of Song, that Gods to Gods movie. You remember? Oh, yeah. I would have never guessed it, though. Okay, you'll, you can get this one. This is, I don't know. So Colin, who gave it four stars, who sells it in his top four, okay. says, best acting with Snoop Dogg for coughing after taking a hit from that bong. Four stars. Colin has okay. it in his top four of all time. Okay. All four of his movies have come out in the last like, three or four years. Damn. So Beach Bomb is number four. I know for sure you've seen the first two. I don't know that you've seen the third one. I think you would like the third one if you haven't seen it. What is... So here's a hint for one of them. Okay. What is the biggest movie of all time, essentially, from the last couple of years? The one that you guess in every time we play the game. Avengers Endgame. Number two. Correct. Okay. Number one, I think won Best Picture a couple of years ago. And you oh. loved it. We both loved it. Not Whiplash. 
more recent than that. Birdman. I think it won Best Picture when I watched the Oscars with you. It was the same year. Oh, Moonlight? Mm-hmm. Number okay. one, Moonlight. That's a good movie. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. And number three is a movie that came out last year that was Mike Manzi's favorite movie from last year. Okay. That I really, really liked it. I don't know that you saw it. I don't remember talking about it with you, but I Bad think you would really like it. No. That was two. That was two. That was his favorite movie two years ago. More recent than that. Uh, By a first... Not that it's going to help, but it's a first-time director... One of the one of it the follows. no the star is from the star is in Atlanta. The star of the movie is in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't remember what his character name in Atlanta is, but it's not Earn and it's not Paperboy. It's the third guy, Darius. Darius. Oh, it's um. T- uh, thank you for no, but you're you're right there. It's sorry to bother you. That yes, that this one. Did you see that movie or no? No, I didn't see it. I, I think heard it's just like that weird movie. though. Somebody it is saw weird. it and, and just said it was just like weird and they couldn't get through it or something. Oh no, but I would. I think you should definitely watch it at okay. some point. Cool. I think that you and Rachel would. Like, it's either one of those ones that like you guys are going to love. I think. I think. I think no matter what, you're going to love it. I think it's kind of going to be hit or miss for Rachel. Okay fair so i like darius point, a lot so fire ass titles how are we going to rename this so if you if this is the first episode of zach zach you're listening to yes for high school musical it is the barest so actually i saw this on a, a tweet on uh a i tweet saw this day. too go ahead yeah go ahead say it i was thinking it too go ahead i don't know if it's the same tweet but we're it is so one of the go one ahead. of the hosts of real bad tweeted that robocop is, is the, the best perfect name movie title yep i saw this you yeah. know exactly what it is Yep. He's like, there's no, you know exactly what it is. And then they went on this sort of like replies thing about like anything with like the good or bad or perfect or whatever, all the title sort of gives you exactly like, you know, dirty grandpa or bad grandpa or whatever. Yep. Like, you yep. know exactly what that is. But bad again, Santa. There you go. Yeah. Robocop is kind of like that. But like High School Musical is the most basic description of exactly what it is. So if we were doing the beach bum as that version of that, what would it be? I'm going to throw out. Moondog. Yeah, Moondog is the first thing that came to my mind. Um, The Keys. Florida Man. Florida Man is a good one. I love the Beach Bum, but if, if the movie was called Florida Man... I think it would have fucking blew up. Like, it would have been huge. Maybe. I Feel Beautiful. Like, this is not what the movie's about, but I just love the title of, like, The Misadventures of Captain Whack. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not what the movie... That's not this movie, but I would just... I would, I would watch a movie like that. Prepaid. Because Jesus prepaid for all of our sins. Mm. Uh, the Beach Zeph. The Beach Zeff. Or the Zeff Bum. Paninis. Paninis. This is tough. Like, I feel like... Beach Bum is pretty close. That's what I mean. Like, it's it's up there. You could do something like Slum in it. Like, that, not that that's a good title, but I feel like it... Dolphin Tours. I think I might be out. Do you have any others? Limp Dick. Limp Dick is a good one. Again, not what the movie's about, but I would also see a movie called Limp Dick. Exactly. I don't think it would ever get cleared, but sure. I don't know what Human Discoveries is about, but the last game we play here is Crying and Shirtless. So an animated series, again, don't know what it's about. All I know is that Anna Kendrick Did is in it. Did we guess for Beach Bum or no? No, because when we had recorded Ted Bundy, at least I had seen it. We had maybe both seen it, so we just okay. it didn't quite... Like, we had guessed for Ted Bundy, but not for this. Okay. Well, it's an animated movie, so he's going to be shirtless. It's an animated TV series. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Human Discoveries. You want, you want to know what it's about or no? I think it's about, like, cavemen and, like, the, the yeah, I think I read that, like, little part that it's, like, cavemen discover oh, we, things. Oh, yeah, we've, re- we've read about this, I think, on a previous episode. A group yeah. of friends living at the dawn of human civilization yeah. are the first discovered necessities, like fire and the wheel, watched as they stumble onto humanity's best and worst inventions. Art, alcohol, fashion, racism, small talk, and much to their confusion, monogamy. So it does lead to sex, which it could be crying and yeah. shirtless. 
Um, so, Joe, Human Discoveries, a TV series on Facebook Watch, coming out in July. Zac Efron, Anna Kendrick. How will he cry and how will he be shirtless? I think that he's going to cry when they discover alcohol. Like, he's going to get drunk and he's going to be the drunk crying girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what about shirtless? There's going to be an orgy scene. Okay. They're learning about monogamy, so his, like... No, you know what? He's going to be, like, in an orgy with somebody else's partner, and their partner's going to come in and be like, what the fuck? And he's going to be like, oh, I didn't know. I think for shirtless, he's going to learn a lesson about, kind of related to orgy, like, about decency, and he's going to be just close to in the nude the entire time. Like, he's going to be, like, this, like, cut caveman or cut whatever version of human, yeah. human that he is. And they're like, we love look, but, like, you really got to put a shirt on. And I think that that's going to be sort of, he's going to be shirtless. Like his, his base level is going to be shirtless. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't know how, how, how heavy it's going to get. Like, you know, maybe he has to Who learn knows? how to deal with death. And maybe he's just crying over, like, the loss of a loved one or something. When the show is about learning about everything, you know, I can see him just being devastated and just crying, just sobbing. Not that there's going to be a courtroom. Maybe he'll learn about courtrooms, but, you know, again, a crying courtroom scene, like in Zeph and Tina again, and maybe in Ted Bundy, but... Yeah. I'm going to say he's, he's crying over the loss of a loved one. He's sort of, he's learning to deal with grief. So he's learning to deal with decency and grief. Okay, yeah, it's, it would be a good guess that somebody dies. Especially since like, everybody died all the time back then. Exactly. But yeah, so that was Beach Bomb. So, I mean, it's out right now on VOD and Blu-ray and DVD, so you can probably go get it for a couple bucks and watch it. It's, it's, it's short, a great movie. it's 90 minutes, it's yeah. really good. It's uh, and I both love it. Zeph is awesome. If, you're, if you listened all the way here, God bless you. He's great in it. I think you would enjoy it. Any other thoughts about the Beach Bum before we no. come back in maybe a month or two, or I don't know when, for Human Discoveries? No, but I agree with you that I think that it was one of my favorite movies of this year so far. I think more people should have watched it, or should watch it still. Yeah, right now my top three, I think, are this and Booksmart and Endgame. This and Booksmart, I think, for similar-ish reasons, and Endgame yeah. just because it's a like conclusion or something, but like we're so early in the year, there's still a lot of really good movies to come, but... This is an early contender for number one of the year just because it's exactly like, you know, I'm always a little hesitant, a little wary of it when it's it's not a sequel to Spring Breakers, but it's in ways kind of a, a sequel to Spring Breakers. And I'm it kind is. of always yeah. worried that a movie that I love when it's going to have like another movie in that world that might not be as good. But, you know, I don't like this as much as Spring Breakers, but really, I don't know. I th- I'm I'm half and half on them. Like I, th- I think, I, like I mean, I think it's just Spring Breakers is, it's just, there's something about, yeah, it's better than I could have imagined. You know, I, I just, I just love this movie. So, uh, we highly recommend you go see it. Yep. I agree. Also, more importantly, every other Tuesday, Joe and I do Too Fast, Too Forever. So if you made it this far and you're already not listening to our Too Fast, Too Forever podcast, again, over there, we always say that the crossover between those movies and like Zac Efron or Gosling or Channing Tatum or whatever, doesn't other people seem like podcast about, but it's the same thing. It's the same shit. It's the exact same shit. So if you enjoyed this episode, this is your first episode of Zack Attack, welcome. Go check out Too Fast, Too Forever every other Tuesday, wherever you get this podcast. You can find that, cageclub.me or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube for Too Fast, Too Forever. Not for this. Yeah. But go check it out. Write in to this show, Attack at cageclub.me. If you want to hear your email read more quickly, write into family at cageclub.me, which is our Too Fast, Too Forever podcast yep. email. You know, we'll see you at some point. Again, shout out Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, for writing into this email. To yes, this hopefully show. you like the new episode. Shout out Montez. Shout out Erin and Christine and everybody who has written into the show before. We'll be back sometime later this year. So if you have thoughts about Zeph, the year of Zeph, if it were, email ZachAttack at cageclub.me. For all things ZachAttack, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email ZachAttack at cageclub.me and come back later this year at some point for human discoveries. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Zactac.
Let's go there. Let's make our escape.